You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to people. That means that when we read the Bible, we're hearing God speak. Today's Bible passage is Mark 14, verses 1 through 11. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a cunning way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, so there won't be a riot among the people. While he was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray, uh, to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. God, we we pray this day that you might give us soft hearts that love your son. We don't just want to obey him begrudgingly. No, we want to love him. Move our hearts, we pray. Do these things so that Jesus might be most precious to us more than anything else in this world. We know that you love us and we love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Is Jesus your greatest treasure? Is he the most cherished thing in your life? Do you value him more than gold and silver, friends and family, success and status? Is Jesus more precious to you than life itself? Do you you see Jesus as the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price, the lover of your soul? Would you give everything to gain him? Would you lose everything to keep him? 
Would you say of Jesus the words of the woman in Song of Songs, my beloved is mine and I am his? It is an ultimate tragedy that too many of us know Jesus in our heads or even obey him with our lives, but if we're honest, we do not love him with our hearts. We study him as an idea, but how many of us treasure him as our all? We obey him as our king, but how many of us long to please him as our father? And the greater tragedy is that we actually cherish so many lesser treasures. Treasures to be sure, but far lesser than Jesus. Food, sex, money, and a a name for ourselves. Good things, though frail and fleeting in this world. And my mind can't help but cast back to what C.S. Lewis wrote, that we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I mean, doesn't that describe so many of us? We, we sacrifice anything and everything for far lesser treasures. We're willing to pay with our lives for things of far lesser worth, and we are blind to the supreme value of knowing Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know or follow Jesus, you don't call yourself a Christian, I hope that you can see in today's passage that Jesus is the greatest treasure you can ever have. He is God's beloved son. He is God's greatest treasure. And he can be your great treasure as well. But we pause and wonder, if Jesus is so great a treasure, why do people want to kill him? Why kill someone so precious? And yet that's exactly what's been happening right throughout this gospel. As early as chapter 3, verse 6, what do we read? The Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against Jesus how they might kill him. In chapter 8, verse 31... 9 verse 31 and 10 verse 34, three times Jesus prophesies that he will be rejected, arrested, and killed. In chapter 11 verse 18, after Jesus cleanses the temple, the chief priests and the scribes start looking for a way to kill him. And even in that parable of the vineyard in chapter 12, the son of the vineyard owner is seized, killed, and tossed in the trash. You see, throughout this entire gospel, we have seen the religious leaders of that day plan to kill Jesus. You might wonder why. If if Jesus really is God's greatest treasure, why hate him so? Why seek to kill him? I mean, Jesus is bringing in a whole new kingdom, a kingdom of forgiveness, of life, and of joy. But we've seen, haven't we? If Jesus is going to bring in the new, he must first do away with the old. In order for Jesus to bring in his kingdom, he must tear down the temple. 
And these religious leaders, they profited off that temple. They gained everything at the expense of those who had nothing. And Jesus comes along and says, no more. The days of your corruption are at an end. You will exploit my people no longer. It's no wonder they wanted to kill him. And now in chapter 14, their plans suddenly come to a head. Notice the setting. Verse 1. It's two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. We read that and we go, cool, nice time stamp. But this moment is pregnant with meaning. For for this festival celebrates the day on which God first saved Israel out of Egypt. It celebrates the day of Israel's redemption. You know, all the way back in Exodus chapter 12, what did God tell Moses? Take an unblemished animal, a precious animal, kill it, and paint its blood on the doorposts of your houses. And tonight I will pass through Egypt, and in judgment and wrath and justice, I will kill every firstborn son. But verse 13, what does God say? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will spare you my judgment. I will shield you from my wrath. Because that animal died for you. That animal was killed in your place. The blood of that animal was shed so that yours doesn't have to be. And God says, when I see the blood, I will count your debts settled. I will count your sin paid for. I will count my justice satisfied. You see, on that very first Passover, something so precious died for a people so unworthy. All so that they might live. That's where we find ourselves two nights before that moment. And now we begin to wonder, don't we? Maybe, might Jesus be that unblemished lamb who will be killed in our place? Is Jesus that precious sacrifice who will die to settle our debts? Who will die to pay for our sins? Who will die to satisfy God's justice for us? Is Jesus the one so precious who will die for a people so unworthy? Maybe, maybe it's him. If the most precious person in your life was about to die, how would you feel? It's an awful question, isn't it? One of my uh, friends, very good friends, Austin tells me, he goes, Adam, I wouldn't mind dying young. Heaven's far better. And I think that's, that's either extremely morbid or in its own strange way godly. But, but my natural reaction is, don't say that. Don't be, we just don't so silly, right? Like I object, I, I refuse, I rebuke him because he's too precious a friend to lose. How do you think people will react when they hear that Jesus is going to die? I mean, if you really love him, right? If you really treasure him as precious to your soul and Jesus comes and says, I'm going to die. My reaction is, don't say that. I, just, I think that's what the Apostle Peter did, isn't it? 
I want to show you in this passage two very different reactions to the death of Jesus. Two very different reactions in this passage. And then I want to come back at the end and ask that same question. Is Jesus our greatest treasure? Is he your greatest treasure? The first reaction to Jesus' death comes from a seemingly reckless woman. A seemingly reckless woman. You see, in John's record of these very events, this woman is identified as Mary. But here in Mark's gospel, she has no name, no standing, no significance. And as a woman in her day, tragically, she was considered nobody and nothing. And yet here in verse 3, she walks up to Jesus, straight up to him, and, and acts so inappropriate in that culture. And she's carrying in her hands a jar made of alabaster stone. And in that alabaster jar is nard, perfume. And and Mark almost stumbles over his words to express just how valuable it is. The words in verse 3 in the original sound like this. A woman came having an alabaster jar of perfume, nard, pure, expensive. He just kind of can't get over how valuable this thing is. In verse 5, we learn that this perfume is worth more than 300 denarii. An entire year's earnings. Just imagine that. Your salary for the year contained in one jar of perfume. But it's more precious than even that. But this jar of perfume would have most likely been a family heirloom. A bit like a diamond ring or a jade bracelet passed down from generation to generation. This perfume would have been this woman's family's greatest treasure. Just imagine holding something like that in your hand, something that precious, something that expensive. And she walks so carefully to Jesus. Something so expensive in in a vessel so fragile. And then, out of nowhere, she smashes the jar and she pours that precious perfume over Jesus. She anoints him with her greatest treasure. There is something beautiful about that moment, isn't there? Something really moving about what she gives for her Lord. And yet, if you're anything like me, you might react like the people in verse 4. Angry, indignant, appalled. You can imagine the people around her. She takes the jar full of her, her, her life's earnings and people are like, wow, that's so amazing. She smashes it and everyone's like, no, 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 don't do that, right? Why has this perfume been wasted? For for this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. How reckless. What a waste. What unnecessary extravagant. This woman, no fiscal restraint. No sense of financial responsibility. Give the money to the poor, at least then there's a material return on investment. Jesus doesn't need it, right? Why would you give it? 
But look at what Jesus says in verses 6 to 9. You see, we look at this and think, how reckless. And yet Jesus says, she has done a noble thing for me. See, you always have the poor with you and you can do good for them whenever you want. But you do not always have me. Now, let me be clear. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't care for the poor. He's not saying that. Right throughout the Bible, the poor are precious to God. In the Old Testament, in Zechariah 7.10, God says, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the resident alien or the poor. And in the New Testament, in Luke 7.22, the Lord Jesus says, The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. You see, do not misunderstand Jesus. The poor are precious to him. And yet there is someone even more valuable than they. There is a poverty greater than the material. There is a treasure more precious than gold. And Jesus says, it's me. And in just a few days, I'm going to be arrested and killed. And this woman, she sees what the rest of you can't see. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Can I tell you, if I knew that one of my most precious friends was about to die, I wouldn't be preparing them for death. As I said, I would be protesting, right? I'd be saying, no, you can't. You can't leave. You can't die. You're too precious to me. And yet this woman prepares Jesus for death. But she recognizes that somehow, in some way, in his death, he is actually most precious of all. She, She anoints Jesus with what she values most. And here's the genius of it all. By anointing him with her greatest treasure, can you see she makes him her greatest treasure? In pouring out this precious perfume, she pours out her whole life. This woman understands that Jesus' death is actually what makes him so precious. He will pour out his life for her. So she pours her life out for him. So Jesus says, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Friends, understand this. A nameless woman who would have been remembered by no one is remembered by all because she knew the most precious treasure in this world is the precious death of Jesus. This seemingly reckless woman made Jesus her greatest treasure. Oh no, she is far from reckless. She is remarkable. But this passage doesn't end with her, does it? In fact, in these last two verses, in verses 10 and 11, it ends with a seemingly respectable man. You see, unlike the woman without a name, this man is named. His name is Judas Iscariot. And unlike the woman who had no status in the world, no, this man, he's one of the twelve. He's in Jesus' inner circle. 
And you'd think to yourself that if anyone were to see and recognize the value of Jesus, surely it would be this respectable man. And yet I want you to see how he responds to the death of our Lord. The nameless woman went to Jesus. Judas went to the chief priests. He walked away from Jesus. He went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And it's like, are you crazy? Why would you do that? Why would one of Jesus' very own disciples, who should have seen his true worth, betray the precious Son of God? Now, Mark doesn't explicitly tell us. But we can infer something by Mark's comparison against this woman, can't we? You see, unlike that woman, Judas failed to recognize the value of Jesus' death. He would have heard Jesus predict his own suffering and death all throughout his ministry. But instead of seeing what that woman saw, that that Jesus' death is what makes him so precious, Judas would have seen his death and counted him worthless. Because what sort of treasure goes to die? And so he literally sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. It's tragic. Someone whom Jesus treasured did not treasure him. Instead of recognizing Jesus as God's great treasure, he traded him for the lesser things of this world. Isn't that tragic? You have here Jesus, the greatest treasure, God's greatest treasure, and you have over here merely 30 pieces of silver, and Judas says, I take that. He is the disciple whom John says kept the money bag. He was the treasurer of Jesus' funds, as it were, and yet he was the very person who couldn't see Jesus' true worth. Judas was like a foolish child who cannot see the value of a $100 note because he's distracted by the glimmer of a 50-cent coin. This otherwise respectable man who had every reason to see just how precious Jesus was traded him for the lesser and fleeting treasures of this world. We think he's respectable, but what a fool. You see, friends, this passage shows us two different responses to Jesus' surpassing worth. Two ways that we can look at just how valuable Jesus is. Will we be like Judas, this respectable but foolish man who traded Jesus for the lesser treasures of this world? Or will we be like that nameless but noble woman who gave Jesus her everything? And who made Jesus her everything. So will Jesus be your greatest treasure? Will you see that he is more precious than gold? You know, I'm convinced that many Christians don't give Jesus our whole lives. We don't give Jesus our best. We don't give Jesus our all because in reality, he's not. If we're honest with ourselves, in our heart of hearts, we simply do not believe that Jesus is worth it. 
We're, we're like a husband who gets married but signs a prenup to protect our assets whilst we don't trust our bride. We hold back from giving Jesus our, our whole lives because we don't cherish him as more precious than gold. But notice, this nameless woman, she didn't just give Jesus something of value. No, no, she gave him everything of value. She didn't just take the jar, open the lid, and give a drop of her precious perfume. No, she smashed the jar and poured it out every last drop for him. She gave Jesus her greatest treasure because she knew that he was far more precious, far more valuable, and far more worthy. Don't don't look at this woman and feel sorry for her. Don't feel sorry for those Christians in our lives, our friends who give Jesus their all. Because just like that woman, our friends who give Jesus everything gain far more than they could ever lose. You know, we, we, we look at our Christian friends and we see some of them who, who take Jesus seriously, who take this seriously, and we see them sacrifice their money, their careers, and even some of their closest relationships, all for Jesus, and we pity them, don't we? Oh, that must be so hard. Poor them. Or if we don't pity them, we, we, we think exactly what the people thought in this passage. It's a bit much, a bit excessive, a bit overzealous. You know what? Be more sensible, more responsible, more reasonable. Don't pity them, though. And please don't think they're reckless. No, just like that nameless woman, what they gain is far greater than what they could ever lose. Because you see, in the end, friends, all the treasures of this world will one day fade. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal? You see, friends, all the things that we hold on so closely to, our comfortable life, right, it it will go. All our treasures will go. And if they don't go before us, we will go before them. But there is one treasure who will never fade and never perish. A treasure of infinite value and eternal worth. His name is Jesus. That's why he's our greatest treasure. Because he is the only treasure that death has not defeated. He's the only treasure we can gain and never lose. Uh, Jim Elliott uh, is a famous missionary to Ecuador, and his famous line, some of you may know it, he says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about that for a moment. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Friends, surely those words could be spoken of this nameless woman. She was no fool who gave what she could not keep, that precious perfume, to gain what she could not lose, her precious saviour. Do you cherish Jesus like that? Do you value him more than gold or silver, friends and family, success and status? Would you give all your treasure, all for him? 
Would you give all your wealth all for Him? Would you give all your life all for Him? Friends, can I tell you, there is no amount of treasure in this world that is not worth trading for Jesus. For when we give Jesus our greatest treasure, we make Jesus our greatest treasure. He becomes our all. He is more precious than gold. But even more than that, I want you to see that Jesus is most precious in his death. Can you guess, what are the, what's the most important verse in this passage? You might not immediately think it, but it's actually verse 1. It was two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. Why? Why is this verse the most important in this passage? Because it tells us what's so precious about Jesus' death. It tells us what that nameless woman saw in Jesus as she anointed him with oil and prepared him for burial. She saw what Judas failed to see. That Jesus is the unblemished, precious lamb who does for us what that first sacrifice did for Israel. Jesus dies in our place. He settles our debts with God. He pays for our sins to God. He satisfies God's justice for us. You see, just like when, when God saw the Lamb's blood on Israel's doorpost and passed over them, He now sees Jesus' blood over our hearts and passes over us. Jesus is so precious because just like that first lamb, he died in our place to shield us from God's wrath. He died in our place to save us from our sins. He is the one so precious who died for a people like us who are so unworthy. That's why this woman anoints him with her greatest treasure. Because he sees that he died for her. He sees that he treasures her. He sees that Jesus cherishes her. She sees that he loves her and he saves her. If you're someone who doesn't know or follow Jesus, I hope you can see why we love him so. Why we cherish him far more than anything or anyone in this world. We love him because he cherished us enough to die for us. We love him because he loved us enough to die for us. We love him because he treasured us enough to die for us. How could we not make him our greatest treasure? How could we not cherish him as he cherishes us? How could we not love him as he loves us? How could we not pour out our lives for him as he poured out his life for us? If you do, he will do for you what that first sacrifice did for Israel. He will carry your sins, settle your debts, forgive anything and everything you've ever thought, said or done or will ever think, say or do. He'll give you a whole new life. What could be more precious than that? And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the sort of life you've lived. 
Because Jesus can be treasure to anyone who treasures him. Anyone. You know, we often assume that only the rich can buy what is precious, right? Only those who are somebody in our world can really get anything. But do you notice what happened to Judas, the man who had it all? He was actually the one who lost everything. And it's all because he failed to see just how precious Jesus really is. It's as if, can I suggest, the glimmer of the lesser treasures of this world blinded him from seeing Jesus' greater worth. What a warning for us who are so wealthy in this world that we might allow the glimmer of lesser treasures to blind us from seeing the glory and value of Jesus. So you can have everything in this world. But if you don't have Jesus, you actually have nothing at all. And in the end, who was it that stood to gain? Who was it that got it all? It was the outsider. The the nameless woman who literally poured out her whole life to Jesus. You see, everything about this scene, everything about this moment suggested it shouldn't have been her. She lived in Bethany, a town outside Jerusalem. She entered the home of Simon, a leper outside society. And she was a woman, a person outside the power of her day. She was the ultimate outsider. And yet she was the one who gained Jesus as her greatest treasure. And it didn't matter that she had nothing. In fact, if anything, her lack may just have given her the clarity to see just how precious Jesus really is. Friends, can you see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't even matter if you have nothing at all. If you have Jesus, you can have nothing and yet have everything. You can be poor and yet be rich. You can give your whole life and yet gain your whole life. Because Jesus is God's greatest treasure. And he died so that he might be our greatest treasure as well. So here's my question. Will you give him your whole life? Will you entrust your whole life to him? Will you take your greatest treasure and lay it at his feet? Will you take that alabaster jar full of all of your life's value and smash it and pour out not one drop but the whole lot for him? And then will you receive him back as the greatest treasure of your life? Can I promise you, if you, you will never, ever, ever regret it. There is nothing and no one more precious than him. For what will we sing? Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, thou and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart, high King of heaven, my treasure.
is he your greatest treasure? Let me pray for us that he will be. How moving it is to realize that you love us so, that you would pour out your life for a people as undeserving as us. And yet you do. You love us so. May we love you in exactly the same way. May we cast our crowns at your feet. May we pour out our all to recognize the infinite value and worth of the Lord Jesus. May we give you our greatest treasure and so make you our greatest treasure. Thank you for cherishing us. Thank you for treasuring us. Thank you for loving us. And so we cherish you. We treasure you. And we love you so. Amen.